Well, I want to welcome all of you. I particularly want to welcome our online campus and Orleans Justice Center and those of you joining us right now to the fifth and the final week of our series entitled Trap. Come on, can we just welcome all of our campuses, South Shore, Gulf Coast here at Little Creek. We are finishing up today a five-week series and uh, I do want to say again for all of our guests, if you're new at Church of the King, uh, all of our podcasts, are, you can download them online. Of course, you give free CDs as well if you miss one. I know vacation's coming, a lot of people coming and going, graduations, and we've been teaching through a series called Trap. Today, I want to finish up that series, and I'm so excited about next week, starting off God at the movies, but today I want to finish up teaching on the topic the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe one of the ways that we can, quote, get untrapped from the things in life that hinder us, the things that hold us down, the things that, quote, entrap us, is understanding afresh the power of the Holy Spirit that's available to us. It seems everyone today, if you turn on the TV or if you just listen to what's happening across the world, people are yearning for for power. They're learning, they're yearning for this supernatural experience. It's interesting when you think about it, we live in a natural realm, but there's also a spiritual realm. And people know that they're more than just a mind. There's more than just a rational existence that we have, that, that people understand this. Whether you go online, you, you see uh, 1-800-PSYCHIC-HOTLINES. People are looking for something beyond the natural realm. They know there's something there. They're not exactly sure what it is, they're not exactly sure where to find it. It's kind of like the old song, looking for love in all the wrong places. I believe that people are looking for power in all the wrong places. They're, they're looking for an experience uh, that transcends this rational, natural realm. And, and the reality is, is that people, people are hungry. The question is, are they eating the right thing? I'll never forget, I, I worked a number of years ago, uh, way back, uh, at a restaurant and there was a friend of mine and he always talked about positive and negative energy. I remember he'd go up to a table and said, man, I said, well, what do you think of Steve? Man, I just, I just feel a lot of negative energy come from those people. I don't know. And I said, bro, I don't, I don't care about negative, positive. I just want to know if they gave me big tips. That's all I care about. You know what I'm saying? But he, but he was always talking about negative energy. And listen to me close to what I'm about to say. He was a very spiritual person, but he wasn't a Christian. Did you know that you can be spiritual and not a Christian? Our culture is very spiritual. They're, they're open to the spiritual realm. We don't live in a rational uh, 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 period of time where the intellect is God. We actually live in what's called a postmodern world where people are open. They're open to a lot of stuff. The question is, are they looking in the right places? The fact is, we live in a world where people are hurting and, and broken and and it's radical out there. It really is. It's radical. And we as Christians need to understand that there is a power available to us. There is a power in God that is available. That we do not have to be trapped by the vices and the devices and the, and the shrapnel of culture. But we can actually overcome. And one of the ways we overcome is by understanding the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul the Apostle, St. Paul, walking into the different places where he preached and where he taught and he started churches, 
He, he would often couple two things together. He talked about the words that he would say, but not just the words. He wouldn't limit to it to just words. He would also talk about the power that attended to his words. Let me give you an example. First Thessalonians. For instance, the very first church, you may not know this, Thessalonica, first church that Paul wrote back to. He was there for three weeks, and here's what he said to them. The church at Thessalonica, he says, for our gospel did not come to you in word only. Now, you're talking about a very educated man, the Paul the Apostle. The Bible says that he sat at the feet of Gamaliel, who was a, a teacher in the, the highest order of, the, uh, of Judaism. It, 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 Paul, Paul learned, he was a very educated man, deeply intellectual. He understood how to put arguments together. And he says, for our gospel did not come to you in word only. It wasn't just words that I brought to you, but also in what? Everybody say it. There it is. There's the word power. Was it just, was it just my words, but there was a power that attended to that and in the Holy spirit and in much assurance. Another church that Paul went to is he planted the church at Corinth. And when he went into Corinth, uh, the, the, the Bible, once again, writing back, remember Paul's letters, he would write back to these churches that he would start it and, and he would instruct them in Christian doctrine and, 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 and how to live out the Christian faith. And look what he says here. Same theme here. Same thing. He says, in my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. By the way, Corinth, you talk about in the, in the, in the Greco-Roman world, just the, 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 the mindset of Aristotelian logic and all of the words and how to persuade and putting things together, pathos and ethos and logos. Paul said, look, I didn't come with you to try to convince you through logic. The gospel, it's, it's, it, 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 I, I didn't come to you just to give you words, he says, but I came to you in demonstration of the spirit and of everybody say it, power. Christianity is not just mental. It's not just didactically understanding some facts, but there's a power that attends to it. There's a supernatural power now, we live in a natural realm, right? We live in a natural realm. You're, you're hearing in a natural realm. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking and there's a microphone and we, and we have our feet on the ground, right? And, and, and we sense the, our natural environment, what we smell and taste and hear and touch and see. And so we interface in a natural realm. But we also interface in what's called a super natural realm. In other words, it, 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 it transcends the, and there's a, there's two realms. We live in a natural realm, but there's also a spiritual realm around us. The question is, are you tapping into and walking in the power, the power that comes from God? A lot of people are tapping into power. A lot of people are looking for power, but are they looking in the right place? I, I have an opportunity to, um, I guess it's an opportunity uh, to travel from time to time and to speak and teach and preach. And so sometimes, matter of fact, I'll run into some of you guys in airports. And uh, matter of fact, almost every time I go to the airport, I'll, I'll find somebody from Church of the King and run into them, which means I have to be on my top behavior uh, the whole time. You know, you, I got to walk and make sure everything. And so, of course, I, 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 when you travel, you, you now travel, of course, you, you've got everything on your phone. I mean, just very rarely do I have a text. Everything's on my phone. And so the worst possible feeling is when you get up to the gate where you're going to take off, maybe an hour before you look down, you got 3% on your phone. My gosh, my phone's going to run out of juice. I won't have a ticket. I can't get on. I have, my gosh, I, what's going to happen? And, and, and so, I, I, so, so I've learned because I have... Teenagers, that you don't travel just with your phone, but you travel with 
your cord. It's not a lasso. Come on, work with me just a little bit. So you've got this cord and you got your phone. And so here's what you have. When you walk up to a gate, right? So you'll see these wandering people wandering around. They've got their cord and they've got their phone. And, and, and they're doing like this. And, and, and what, what are they doing? They're looking for a what? Say it, a plug. Don't you dare get close to my plug. I mean, you get close to somebody and you've got your plug and your phone and you start, and here's how it works. You, you can't get like right up to him. You got to kind of like peer, like about 50 feet away. You're like, and if they pick up that you pick up that you're moving on on them, people will actually act demon possessed to keep you away. Don't you come near my card. Don't come near the socket. So a couple weeks ago, I was walking around. I couldn't find anywhere. I, I actually found plugs, but nobody would share. They were not Christian. And so, we, so I go all the way back. And when I come back, I come to my chair. And wouldn't you know, right underneath the chair where I was sitting is a plug. Nobody's using it. It's right there. I walked all over the airport looking for something that was right there. How many people in the world are looking for something? They're looking for power. They're looking to access something to make them feel less vulnerable, non-victimized. And, and they don't understand if they just have a relationship with Christ and understand the power of the Holy Spirit. It's right there. He's right there with his power. Right there with his power. We live in a world that is ripped apart right now. I, uh, I, I recently heard, you guys may have heard this, that Seattle... It's doing, this is true. Seattle is doing because of the threat of nuclear war potentially from North Korea. It's a real deal. It's not a joke that they're trying to think about in the city ordinance to pass how they can do nuclear reactor training or whatever, what they can do. People are freaked out. People are freaked out in our country. We as Christians don't have to live freaked out. We don't have to live the way the world does. We can live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean that things don't come against us, but they don't overwhelm us because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about the Holy Spirit. All right, Pentecost, which is a big moment uh, for the Christian church, June 4th. It's where we celebrate Pentecost Sunday. What is Pentecost? Penta means five. Penta, it's 50 days after Passover, right? Friday before Easter, the Good Friday. And so 50 days after that. So in the Christian church, we celebrate it as the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost. For the Jewish people, it was a celebration of a feast, the Feast of Pentecost. But very important because it commemorates the outpouring of the Holy Spirit two weeks from now. I want to teach you on the Holy Spirit because I believe it's a key. Watch this. Some of you have been trapped by things. We talk about how to get untrapped. I believe part of the key of getting untrapped by vices is being trapped in a positive way with the power of God. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would come upon three distinct groups of people. Number one, the Holy Spirit would come on prophets. Number two, the Holy Spirit would come on priests. And number three, the Holy Spirit would come on kings. But the Holy Spirit would come upon these three different groups of people for unique purposes. For instance, would come upon a prophet so that the prophet could prophesy would come upon a priest and anoint the priest so the priest could go stand before God on behalf of the people. The Spirit of God would come upon a king to be able to have wisdom, to be able to rule and to lead God's people, the nation of Israel. So, so I want you to know this. This is very important. The Holy Spirit was not accessible to all people in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, uh, 
Love this scripture in Numbers chapter 27 when Moses, who was the leader, he was a prophet of God, and he was also the acting leader of the children of God. Of course, he didn't bring them into the promised land, but Joshua brought them into the promised land. So what did Joshua need to operate and to lead? He needed the spirit of God upon his life that would come upon him for a unique purpose. And the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is, everybody say it, the what? The spirit and lay your hand upon him. So there was a transference. Watch this. The spirit of God, the hands were laid is symbolic of a transferring of the spirit of God that was on Moses, that the spirit of God would go upon Joshua so he could lead the children of Israel in. Very important that you understand this. The Spirit of God will come upon David. The Spirit of God will come upon Elisha, Elijah. The Spirit of God will come upon prophets to speak the word. Priests to stand between God and the people. And kings to lead the children of Israel. The Spirit of God would come upon them, but was not available to all. So, in the Old Testament, number one, we would hear of what I call the promise of the Spirit. What is the promise of the Spirit? The promise of the Spirit is that the Spirit of God was promised 500 years before Christ came. 530 years before the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was promised to all mankind. The book of Joel is one of the greatest promises in the Old Testament. Here's what Joel said. This is 500 years, roughly, before Christ came. This is, again, the day of Pentecost was 33 days, 33 years after the birth of Christ, all right? And it shall come to pass 500 years before Christ. Remember, the Holy Spirit's only on prophet, priest, and king. This was revolutionary stuff, all right? Prophet Joel is prophesying this. And it shall come to pass afterward, after what? I'm gonna teach you that in a moment. That I will pour out my what? Say it. Spirit on all flesh. Whoa, that's radical. Not prophets, priests, and kings. Everybody gets in on this thing. All flesh, that was radical for the Jewish culture. Let me tell you, which was all radical also. And your sons and daughters. Whoa, young people get this? Not just the mature? Men get it and women? Whoa, this is radical. All flesh, men, women, all age flesh, gender. I mean, this is radical. And they shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. So 500 years before Christ, there's a prophetic picture of a day that's coming when the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out on all flesh. Let's fast forward 500 years. John the Baptist, who's the cousin of Jesus, all right? The Bible calls him the forerunner of Jesus. So John the Baptist is there now. We're talking about days before Christ, all right, and his ministry begins. He's prophesying, he's teaching, he's preaching in the wilderness, all right? He's baptizing people, and he makes a statement. John the Baptist makes this statement. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. He's baptizing people in, in the Jordan River. But he, speaking of Jesus, that's his cousin. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will, everybody say this word. Now the word baptize in the Greek is baptizo, and it actually means to immerse. That's what it means. To be baptized means to be immersed. But he's talking about something here, not, not about water. He says, 
and he will baptize you with the, everybody say it, the Holy Spirit and with fire. Whoa, this is, this is, it's like another level. So Jesus is the baptizer and Jesus is the one that fills us with the spirit. Jesus is the one. And then Jesus himself. So 500 years before Christ, the prophet Joel talks about not just prophets, priests, and kings, but everyone can experience the Holy Spirit. Not just men, but men and women. Not just the old mature, but old and young. And now John's talking about, and he's getting real specific. He's locating who's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus. Jesus immerses you in the spirit. He fills you. He baptizes you. And now Jesus himself says this theme. In Luke chapter 24, I'm going to give you two scriptures. Jesus himself, he's been crucified, resurrected from the dead. He now is in a 10 day period on the earth. The Bible says he appears to 500 people from the resurrection until the ascension in Acts chapter one. Watch what he says. Jesus himself says this, talking about this theme of power. He says, behold, I send the promise, there it is, the promise of my father upon you. But tarry, that means wait, in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with what? Everybody say it. See, everybody's looking for power. The question is, are they looking in the right place? Until you're endued with power from on high. So there's a moment coming when every single soul through relationship with Christ can experience this outpouring of power, the power of the Holy Spirit. The last words of Jesus, and then I'll go to my next point. The last words of Jesus. Those of you that have been to Israel, uh, I've been three times, and when you're, you, you begin your tour on the Mount of Olives, it's really cool. And the Mount of Olives is a, is a mountain range that overlooks the old city of Jerusalem. Many people, if you see postcards today, you're at, they're actually taken from the Mount of Olives because you're looking over the old city, of the walls of Jerusalem, which were built hundreds of years after Christ because they were destroyed and they rebuilt. Uh, but, but you see also that, that, that golden mosque, that, that, the Temple Mount, you, you'll see that. Well, well in, a, in, a, in a similar way, not that Temple Mount, but the city of Jerusalem, Jesus is standing with his disciples. This is, listen, here it is. This is his last words that he says. This, this is important. How I many know the last thing somebody says? It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And he's on the, he's on the Mount of Olives and he's overlooking the city of Jerusalem and, he, and he's looking at his disciples and he's talking to his disciples and then he looks out. Here's what he said, last thing he says. He's about the divine ascensions about to happen. All right, here it is. Acts chapter one, verse eight. But you shall receive, here it is. Everybody say it. There's the theme again. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit, see again, everybody's looking for power, but they're looking for power. Many people are in the wrong place. Is it power? Is it the power of the Holy Spirit? And you shall receive power. By the way, the Greek word for power there is the word dunamis. Did that sound familiar? It's where we get the, 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 the English word dynamite from. You shall receive dynamite power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I'll never forget I was a Christian for about three months. I became a Christian end of October 1987, one month before I turned 19. I was a freshman at Tulane University. And I, I was in a group of college kids and gave our hearts to Christ. It was really powerful. And I'll never forget, 
when my Bible, well, actually was a leader in the Bible study, came to me three months after being a Christian, listen to what I'm about to say, and said to me, Steve, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? I went, filled with the Holy Spirit? What are you talking about? Am I filled with the Holy Spirit? I'm a Christian. The Holy Spirit lives in my heart. Let me just help everybody. You cannot be a Christian unless the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. The Bible says no one can confess Jesus as Lord unless the Holy Spirit lives in your heart. I was a Christian. I confess Christ as my Savior. I've been water baptized. All right? My name was written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. My sins have been forgiven. I changed my eternal destination. All right? I was no longer going to hell. I was now going to heaven. That's a positive. What are you talking about? What do you mean am I filled with this? I, I, I thought, and, the, and here's what they said. Listen, listen to this. They said to me, they said, Steve, you know, there's more for you. More, not going to hell. Name written down in a book that's real cool. It's eternal. My sins have been forgiven. I'm now a child of God. I have a relationship with God. There's more for, what do you mean there's more? I said, no, there's more. You, you, you're, you're, you're saved. The spirit of God lives in your heart. But there's, there's, you need to be filled with the spirit. What do you mean I need to be? Yeah, you need to be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to fill you. He wants to fill you every day with his power. Because you have, you listen, here it is. You need fresh power for the assignment that God has on your life. I'm like, really? Then they open the Bible, the book of Acts. By the way, the book of Acts is the recording, the first 30 years of the, of the history of the church. And then they started bringing me through the book of Acts and all the different things. And, and my gosh, and this was, these were Christians. They knew Jesus, and yet they needed to be filled with the Spirit. And these were Christians, and they needed more of the Spirit of God. And they weren't, and then, and then we, this is what the person told me. said, Steve, you're not getting resaved, but you need to be refilled. You, you need to be filled with the power of God. I, I want to talk to you today. You need to be filled. We need to be filled with the power of God. Let me tell you, the challenges in our culture are not going to get less. They're going to get more. They're going to get more. The Bible talks about Isaiah 60. In the end, here it is. The light gets lighter, the darkness gets darker. But here's the cool thing. We don't have to be overwhelmed because we can be filled with God's power. The power of God. So, so let me give you some challenges, some problems with the whole conversation about the Holy Spirit. Number one is, I believe this, and I say this respectfully, we love all Christian churches, we bless all denominations, we bless all Christian churches. Churches of the King is a very positive, we affirm people. I will say though, A, I will say some of the problems are the Holy Spirit has in certain segments of Christianity been ignored. Talk about God the Father, no problem, absolutely. God the Son, you need, has Jesus your Savior, absolutely. Talk about the Holy Spirit. It's like, whoa, dude, where are you going with that? And part of that is, I think, because the King James Version, Holy Ghost, it's the Greek word pneuma, and they translated it ghost. People are like, ooh, Holy Ghost, like Casper, you know. <laughs> well, that's kind of strange. You know, I don't want to, that's kind of strangish. Let, let, me, let me just teach you guys something technically according to the Bible. Y'all ready? All right, everybody stay with me. This is important. All of our campuses, I want everybody, okay, technically speaking, technically speaking, where is God the Father right now according to the Bible? Technically speaking. That's not a trick question. Come on, class. He's where? He's in heaven. Technically speaking, where is Jesus according to the Bible? Seated at the right hand of the Father. I know that. Uh, the Bible says that. He's seated right in the Father. Technically speaking, technically speaking, when you pray and God speaks to you, it's God who? Say, God the Holy Spirit. When you were a sinner away from God, who convicted you of your sins? It was God the... When you open the Bible and you need revelation from the Scripture, who is speaking to you? It's God the... 
How many know we need to figure out what the Holy Spirit does? I think he's been largely ignored. Let me give you the second thing I think about the Holy Spirit. I think he's been misunderstood because people think he is an it. You can ignore an it, but you can't ignore a person. You know why we have greeters at the church? We don't want you to be ignored. We have happy people at the church. I never forget, I was out in the culture and somebody said to me, say, say, I, I never tell anybody I'm the pastor church king because that just changes the whole dynamic and everything. So, and so it, it, I was out there and said, yeah, church the king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I said, oh yeah, you know, I've heard of that church, you know. <laughs> I, I tell people that. So, oh yeah, that church. And here's what they said. So yeah, church over there. You know, they're kind of like happy, clappy people. better than dead and depressed. Come on, y'all with me. I, if you're going to call me a name, call me a happy clappy. Okay. That's fine. I'm happy. That's a good thing. That's <laughs> a good thing. It's worse things to be called. The reason why we have greeters is we, 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 we want to acknowledge you when you walk in the door, watch this because you are a person. You can ignore an it, but you don't ignore a person. Question, have we been acknowledging or ignoring the Holy Spirit in our lives? I think the third reason why there's problems often when you talk about the Holy Spirit is because he's just been flat out resisted. People are scared of being labeled, oh, you're charismatic, or you're this, or y'all one of those people. And, and you know, let me just say something. Let me go on record as a pastor saying this. There's been a lot of crazy things done in the name of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely no doubt about it. But I'm not going to let some crazy person that's done something in the name of the Holy Spirit back me off from the genuine power of God that's in the scripture that's promised to me as a believer. Are y'all with me? I'm not going to allow that. You ever heard the, heard the old adage, don't throw the baby out with the what? I'm not going to throw out the Holy Spirit just because somebody did something crazy in the name of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? We believe in the power of God. We believe in all the gifts of the Spirit of this church. We believe, we believe what the Bible teaches about it. So the question then becomes the practicals. What does it mean practically to be filled with the Spirit? I'm going to give you five terms. Listen to me closely. And they're all analogous terms in Scripture. I'm going to help to clear up any confusion that you guys may have. Okay. The term in Scripture that Jesus used, baptism in the Spirit, to be immersed in the Spirit, is an analogous term in the Scripture that Paul talks about being filled with the Spirit. Okay. It's also an analogous term of the Spirit coming upon you. It's also analogous to the Spirit being poured out upon you. Being, and it's also analogous to anointed. To be anointed with the Spirit, the Spirit coming upon you, the Spirit being poured out upon you, being filled with the Spirit, and being baptized in the Spirit, in essence, are all terms explaining the same thing. And here's what it is. For a Christian, a Christian, all right, a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit within you, but when you're baptized in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, Spirit comes upon, Spirit's poured out, or anointed by the Spirit, here's the deal. You're not getting more saved, but you're getting more of the power of God on your life, operatively to move through your life so that you can help a hurting world. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Let me show you two biblical examples. I believe, and we believe at Church of the King, the Spirit comes into your heart when you get saved, but there is what's called post-conversion subsequent experiences. Paul teaches it this way. Be, in Ephesians 5.18, be, Greek tense, active, continuous, be continually being filled with the Spirit. Why do I need to be continually being filled? Because we all leak. We leak. Life is hard. We get pressured. We need refillings. Not getting resaved, but refueled. Are you with me? A car is a car is a car, but you need more gas. Why? Because you got a, you got a journey. You're not at the destination yet. All right, let me give you a couple of biblical examples to show you 
that you can be a Christian, but still in need of an outpouring of the Spirit. And you're like, a fresh outpouring of the Spirit. Here it is. Acts chapter 8. By the way, there's five examples in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, where Christians needed more of God's power. Christians, all right? Let me give you one. Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Jerusalem was the headquarters of the church, all right? They sent out Peter and John as, 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 as missionaries to go check out what's going on. Samaria was above Jerusalem, all right? So remember, Samaritans were half Jews, half Assyrians, half Jews, and they intermingled. So that's what a Samaritan was. And they're freaking out. They're like, man, I heard the Samaritans were getting saved. Watch us. Go, go back, if you can, to the first, the first grade. Now, when the apostles who were Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Next verse. Watch this. Who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Okay. Watch verse 16. For as yet... He had fallen upon, remember what I said, one of those five terms? He had fallen upon how many of them? How many of them? Were they Christians, yes or no? Yes. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They had been to Church of the King, step one. They had been to step two. They had their family come, step three. They jumped in the warm jacuzzi. They got a latte when they came out. That's how we baptize people. I mean, my gosh, I went in a cold tub. Now we're like, we give them towels. How do you feel? I, mean, I got dunked, man. My mom said that kid was a sinner. Hold him under longer. I'm telling you. Make sure he comes up different. I'm telling you. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so they, they had been baptized in the name of the Lord. So they're baptized in water. They've confessed Christ as their Savior. All right. And look what it says. Verse 17. Then, then. Peter and John laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Well, the Spirit of God was in them. They couldn't be Christians. The Spirit of God was in them. But the Spirit had not fallen upon them. They had not been baptized in the Spirit. They had not been anointed by the Spirit. They had not been filled with the Spirit. They were Christians. The Spirit was in them. But the Spirit was now coming upon them. I want to be very clear. When you become a Christian, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 3.16, that your body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit was within you. I'm not talking about the spirit within you right now. I'm talking about the spirit upon you. Are you with me? Where you're freshly filled with power. Pastor, how often do I need it? All the time. All the time. You need, God, fill me with your, Acts chapter four. Don't look it up right now. Acts chapter four. Christians, Christians. Spirit of God's in them. They're being persecuted. And the Bible says they lifted up their voice to God. Oh God, look upon the threats of our persecutors. And the Bible says, and they were filled with the spirit and sparked the word with boldness. Well, were they saved or not saved? They were saved, but they needed to be filled because of the challenge of the moment. You need to be filled with the spirit. I need to be filled. Why? Because of challenges. Let me give you another one right here. Acts chapter 19. This is, made, this is so clear. This is so clear. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Now he finds disciples. Not the original 12 apostles. Remember, Jesus is still making disciples today. Not, not, not the original 12 apostles, but people. What is a disciple? It's a follower of Jesus. All right? A disciplined follower of Jesus. Paul finds disciples. And he said to them, all right? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, let me pause there for a moment. If it's not possible, 
I know this is a double negative for English majors. If it's not possible for you to not experience the fullness of the spirit when you get saved, then why would Paul ask this question? Unless it's possible when you get saved, the spirit can come within you, but you may not know, like I didn't know, that there's a subsequent infilling of the spirit, infilling of the spirit, anointing of the spirit, outpouring of the spirit upon your life. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we've not so much as even heard whether there's a Holy Spirit. We don't know what you're talking about. Look at the next verse, verse three. And he said into them, what were you baptized? They said into John's baptism. Well, what was John's baptism? I mean, I'm just teaching right through the verse. Look at verse four. They said, John indeed baptized in the baptism of repentance, turn from sin, trust in Christ. Saying to the people that they should believe in him who would come after him, that is on Christ. They were trusting in Christ as their savior. They were repenting of their sin. They had been water baptized and they were actually called disciples of Jesus. Let me tell you, they were disciples. They weren't, they weren't Christmas Eve and Easter only Christians. Come on, I'm sorry, that's another message. But anyway, so, I mean, these people were pressing in. Now, when they heard this, they were baptized. They, I mean, excuse me, they, go back to the next verse, verse four. Go back, it says, and who would come after them, that is upon Christ. Look at verse five. It says, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. They were Christians. They were saved. They were water baptized. I mean, they were pressing in. And Paul says, there's more. I want to say this so respectfully. Listen to me. If you kind of feel like you've plateaued in your walk with God, feel like you're not making the impact that you know that God wants you to make with your life, feel a little bit dry in your walk with Jesus, it's not about whether or not you're a Christian. Of course you're a Christian. You trust in Christ, your Savior. But your tank's gotten a little bit low. There's a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit available to you. And I'm going to teach you in just a second, biblically, how to receive this. Look at, look at the next verse right here, verse 6. And when Paul had laid hands on them, now the Holy Spirit came upon them. Came upon, there it is. Came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So did they have the Holy Spirit? Yes. In their spirit, they were born again but there's an experience where the Spirit of God comes upon them. I, I think this is so important for us to understand the power of being filled with the Spirit. I'm gonna give you this one last analogy, give you a couple scriptures, I'll have you right out of here on time. This analogy I've been using for 17 years if you've been a part of Church of the King, and uh, I think it illustrates this point of what it means to be filled with the Spirit, the importance of being filled with the Spirit, all right? So, so, so here we go. Before you come to Christ, you're empty, right? We're all empty. We try to fill our lives with different stuff and different junk. But the fact of the matter is spiritually, the Bible says we're dead, all right? In our sins and our trespasses, we're, we're, we're empty spiritually speaking, all right? Everybody see that? Now, when you trust Christ, you come to Jesus, whether it's in a church service, a small group, a friend leads you to Christ at work, in your neighborhood or whatever, and you put your faith in Jesus as your savior. Here's what happens, all right? Your spirit, remember, now your spirit, the spirit of God comes into your heart, all right? You become a believer. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's what Paul teaches in Ephesians, all right? And you can't get any more saved than you're saved, right there. You're saved. God's living in your heart right there, all right? But you want to make a greater impact with your life. You want to make a difference for God. You don't want to just be a casual Christian. You want to press in. And you see in the scripture that Paul teaches in Ephesians 5.18, be 
continually filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, not a one-time experience. Be con- so, so, so you hear a message like this, you're like, well, I, 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 wanna, I, I need more of God's power in my life. I, I need the Holy Spirit to manifest His power and His gifts. And I, I want to I be used of God to make a wi- I want to be a witness for Christ. I want to make a difference for Christ. I want to experience the presence of God in my life. All right. So you start calling out to God, Lord, fill me with your spirit. All right, so here's what happens. So the spirit now comes upon. Everybody say upon. The spirit is poured out, right? Just like Acts 8, just like Acts 10. Spirit's poured out. These are Christians. They were crying. So the spirit now comes, and you're not getting more saved, but now watch this. You're getting filled. Watch what starts happening in your life. There's an overflow of the spirit now in your life. Guess what happens? It's not just for you. By the way, this being filled with the Spirit's not just for you. Actually, there's an overflow in your family, in your job. You start walking in the power of God. Things start happening in your life. It's not about just, well, I'm not going to hell. You're actually making a difference for God because you've been baptized, filled, anointed with the Spirit, and you are very dangerous to the devil at that point in time. Very dangerous. Does that make sense? Very dangerous. You get saved one time, but you need to be filled with the Spirit. Well, pastor, how often? As often as you, the challenge is in, in, in front of you. Some of you are facing things right now in your life. You need a fresh infilling. Let me give you three keys to it. Ready? Number one, pastor, okay, I wanna, how, how do I get filled with the Spirit? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? Number one, number one, here it is, ask. Everybody say ask. This isn't spooky. This isn't mystical. All right? You need to be at, you need to ask according to the word of God. According to the scripture, I ask, Lord, I need more. I, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Look what the Bible says here, Luke chapter 11. By the way, I had a guy tell me one time, said, Pastor, <clears throat> y'all believe in being filled with the Spirit of the church? So yeah, he goes, I'd like to be filled with the Spirit, but I'm scared to ask because I may receive a demon. I said, let's just think about that for a moment. You're going to ask God to be filled with the Spirit and who's going to give you the demon? Are you with me? If you want a demon, you ask the devil. If you ask God, that, and this scripture actually answers this thing right here. All right, right here. If a son asks for bread from a father among you, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? If he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? Watch this. If you then, being evil, human in our instincts, right? We're not God. All right, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give? Everybody say it, the who, the what, the Holy Spirit to those that ask him. God's not going to give you a demon. He's going to give you his spirit. And he's going to give you, watch this, an outpouring of his spirit, a baptism of his spirit, an anointing of his spirit in your life. But you got to ask. In the mornings, I get up and I do my devotionals before God, not because I'm a pastor, because I'm a Christian. And, I, I, and it doesn't matter how long it is, but I'll read some scripture and then, I'll, and then, and then, I, and then I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask God every morning, every morning, God, fill me with your spirit. Lord, fill me fresh with you. I need a fresh and filling with your spirit. Baptize me. What does that mean? Immerse me in your presence today. Lord. Now, I know some of you guys say, well, pastor, I don't pray in the morning. I pray at nighttime. No problem. If you want to get beat up by the devil all day long and finally get a relief prayer before you go to bed, fine. But I want to check in with headquarters before I leave the house. Come on, pastor. Come on. Come on now. Okay. Everybody say ask. Ask. Don't be scared to ask. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Let me give you number two. Receive. Receive. Look what it says in Mark chapter 11. 
It says, therefore I say whatever things you ask, you gotta ask, you gotta ask. You gotta do the asking, all right? When you pray, all right, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. You ask according to the word of God, I see in the word of God, Paul says, I'm going to be continually being filled. I see in the word of God that there's a pouring out of the spirit. There's an anointing of the spirit. There's a baptism of the spirit. There's a coming upon in the spirit. I know I'm a Christian. I know the spirit lives within me, but I have fresh challenges in my job, fresh challenges in my family, fresh challenges in my community, fresh challenges in culture. And God, I need a fresh and filling of your spirit. I want to make an impact for you. Lord, I receive right now, according to your word, I receive all that you have for me, all, any gift that you have for me. Lord, I, I receive it by faith. By the way, God's not gonna overtake your will. You, you've gotta yield your will to God and you cry out to God and you say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. And then God begins to do that. Well, pastor, what's gonna happen? All things are possible. God fills you with his grace. God fills you with his gift. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, supernatural things. I believe, let me tell you something. I believe this Bible is a supernatural Bible. And I believe if we will actually do the stuff, do what the Bible talks about, anything can happen. Why don't the person at work, you know, that's sick, why don't you say, hey man, I understand, man, you go to the doctor. Would you mind if I just pray for you? Why not? What if, well, pastor, I don't want to look stupid. Well, just pray for them. What if God heals him? Well, what if he does? Well, what if he does? It's not your deal. You just, it's, it's our responsibility to pray. It's God's responsibility to heal. Does that make sense? So why not? Let's just try it. Let's just try it. Hey, you know what? You mind if I pray for you? you know I mean? so, so now, you, so, which brings up the third point right here. You've got to step out. You've asked to be filled with the Spirit. You're receiving all that God wants to give you. Now you're stepping out. You're stepping out in the power of the Spirit. You're making an impact for God. Do you remember? Do you remember I'll, I'll give you this last story and I'll close. you guys remember when you became Christians, those of you that have been Christians for a while, and you actually believed that God could do anything and you actually prayed for that? It's like going to New Orleans, Lord, give me a parking spot. And there was one. And then you're a Christian about five years. You get religious like the rest of the people. Quit praying prayers like that. Oh, God doesn't care about that. Who said he doesn't care? Why not? I'll, I'll close with this story. My, my grandma has been married, was married three times. Her first two husbands died. All of them died. She just died last year. She right at 100. I said, man, that's a long time. I said, well, Pastor, you, you, did she eat well? No. Why did she live so long? Because Jesus was not ready to get bossed around by her yet. I said that respectfully. And the father's like, you ready to take her? He's like, absolutely not. Not yet. Give me more time. Give me more time. This is going to take a lot of energy. Okay. This, this woman's bossy. My grandfather actually called her the admiral. Okay. Just thought I'd share that with you. So my third grandfather who died too, his name's Gene. Listen to this. I'll close with this. Talking about being filled with the Spirit. Gene was an alcoholic. So one day, this is, I'd been a Christian six months. I just learned about being filled with the Spirit. I'm praying, God, pour out your power in my life. Lord, just whatever you want to do in my life. All right? So Gene gets lost for a day. They don't know where he is. So they're going to call the police. My grandma's going to call the police. They're going to you know, file a missing person report. And I said to her, I said, can you give me one day? I said, Grandma, I'm, I've been learning about being filled with the Spirit. I said, I'm just going to go pray. And I'm just going to ask God. And I just believe God. I, why not? We, we, we ask the question, why too much? We need to start asking, why not? Okay, just why not? So listen, so I go in a room. It's not about me, all right? I'm just a young Christian, just believing the Bible. I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm like, let's just ask God. 
I go in there and I said, Holy Spirit, I kneel down and I ask, the, I ask God, and I have a picture. Remember the Bible talks about in the last days, dreams of it. I have a picture of Gene walking out of this bar. I get in my car and, and I'm, I, I said, just give me, just please, can you give me a moment? Don't call the police. So I get in my car and I start driving to this bar, all right? And I drive, may God be my witness. Gene is walking out of that bar, drunk, out of his mind, about to get in a car. He's literally been there. Who, who knows, okay? And, and you say, Pastor, is that possible? God, listen to me closely. It was the Cabaret Lounge on Transcontinental. Anybody know where that is? Don't raise your hand in church. <laughs> God will bust you up, I'm telling you. God, <laughs> don't, don't do it. I saw one man, don't you do that in church, honey. Pastor's gonna see it. They got video cameras everywhere. <laughs> okay. Here's my point. Here's my point. That's not about me. Let me tell you this. And I brought him, I brought drunk Gene home. Now listen to me. When you start, I'll finish with this. Being filled with the Spirit, being anointed with the Spirit, being baptized with the Spirit, listen to me. It's really not about you. You want to know why it's important for you to be filled with the Spirit? Because it's not about you, it's about genes. It's about people that need anointed Christians that are willing to trust God and be filled with the power from on high to be a witness, to move in the power of God. Listen, we need to cry out because we are in a world that's desperate for power and for answers. And I'm going to tell you something. They don't have them. They need God. They need God. And they need anointed Christians with answers. Come on, are y'all with me or not? I'm going to ask y'all to stand up.